welcome to the Gut Church Podcast. My name is Kennedy Shear, and thank you so much for joining us. Today, we have a great word for you. If this ministry has changed your life, will you let us know? Send us an email to story at gutchurch.com. But honored to be able to, to stand on this stage and to, and to preach. Pastor Bill and this church, you guys, I've shared this before, but are the reason where I am at in life. I met my wife here. We've got kids here. Our lifelong friends are here. Um, I mean, this is our family. It's the extension of Pastor Bill and Sandy's family, and they have made us feel that way. So therefore, it's like, this is our family, and so it's an extension of our family. You guys are family. Um, so it's always awkward to come and to communicate to family. It's my favorite place to communicate, and it's also the place I get the most nervous. And so it's an honor to be able to do this today. I think it's a, a timely word. I'm going to build off of some things that Pastor Bill has spoken to over the last couple of weeks. And if you haven't been here, it doesn't matter because this will stand alone and I think will be a blessing to you. Um, but this, it's a season, um, not only is a, a, a season of shift and change naturally outside, but I think we've been in one as a church for a little bit. The whole world has gone through some craziness, obviously. Uh, but I'm excited about what he's doing in the lives of people that I, I'm connected to. It's just amazing to see people's lives elevating over the last two or three or four years. <laughs> Um, and what God is doing. And so I want to speak to that a little bit, and I think there's a lot more for us. You know, the Bible says in, chapter, or in James chapter 1 that his word is like a mirror into our lives. And today I want you to, we're going to start off looking at a story, and I want you to re- see it as a mirror and see how it reflects into your life. The Holy Spirit and God's word will shine light on things that he wants to speak, things that he wants to do in our own lives. Um, and that's where we're going to go this morning. This is going to be a challenging message. It's going to be an internal message. I think that you're going to have to process a little bit, but please help me. I need some feedback every now and then, just something like shake your head, don't snore because that's a downer when you're up here trying to communicate. But feel free to uh, you know, give a little feedback if you want to. But it is a little bit of a challenging message. And I want to start off with the story of Gideon. If you've been around church, you've grown up in church, you've heard the story of Gideon. So I'm going to, instead of read, I'm going to quickly paraphrase the story out of chapter Uh, six in the book of Judges. Uh, Gideon was an Israelite. He was a part of God's people, the Israelites. And they had forgotten about everything that God rescued his people from. He brought them out of Egypt. He had done all this amazing work for them. And they forgot that. It's an important point for us to remember that we have to continue teaching the generations behind us of God's goodness, of his promises, and of his faithfulness. That's why the kids' church and the build-out that we're doing right now in the area is so important. Those are little physical investments into the word that's going to be sown in their lives so they don't forget in generations to come. I've heard a stat that Christianity is on a really fast decline in the United States right now, and uh, that's a wake-up call. That's on us. That's on us. Because we've got to be discipling our nation. We disciple our kids. That's our responsibility. It is literally our mission. It's why we are here. And so we can't forget, and this is not what I'm preaching about, but they forgot, they forgot who, what God had done for them. And so they created these other gods and began to build these altars. And so finally, the angel of the Lord came to Gideon. And um, I'm going to back up. I've got to paint more of this picture. So they gave a God to... Put a God above God, right? There's, that is sin. Having any other God before God is sin. So God gave them over to the Midianites. Pastor Bill communicated the last couple of weeks. Man, God will turn, turn people over if that's your desire. He said this Wednesday night, that's your desire. He's going to turn you over, allow you to do what you want to do. One of the most powerful things that God gives us is choice. It's actually a choice to make him the Lord of our life. That's what makes a covenant relationship strong is when we choose one another. It's a covenant. 
So he gives them up to the Midianites. For seven years, the Midianites come in and they steal everything they have. So here are the Israelites planting their crops and harvesting. Their harvest comes up, the, the, the corn, wheat, whatever it is, comes up. Midianites come in, they steal their harvest. They come into their homes, they steal all their things. For every year, for seven years, this is happening. Can you imagine the amount of energy and the work and the effort over the course of the year to do certain things, only have somebody to come in and steal it? And then you're going through this process. So here is Gideon in chapter 6, and we find him in a wine press threshing wheat. He is in hiding. They would literally go and hide in caves. They would take their belongings and try to store them in the mountains so the Midianites couldn't come in and take their stuff. So here he is. He's threshing wheat. He's worn out. He's tired. They've gone through years of this. And an angel of the Lord appears to him, and he says, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon begins to communicate, and he was like, well, if the Lord's with us, then why is all this happening? Why are people stealing? He begins to complain and share all the struggles and things that he's going through in his life. And just like God tells us to do, not to look at our mountain, to talk about our mountain, to talk about our struggles, but speak to our mountain through his promises, God doesn't acknowledge or engage in conversation at all about all the issues that he is facing. But now the Bible switches. Instead of the angel of the Lord appearing to him, it says, the Lord said, So there's a different level of authority. And he said, go in this might of yours, meaning shut up, stop making excuses, go in this might of yours, you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. I have, for I have not sent you, surely I am with you. And you will defeat the Midianites as one man. Now Gideon is an unlikely pick here. His tribe is the lowest of all tribes in Israel. His family is the lowest of that tribe, and he is the weakest in his family. Matter of fact, the tribe he came from was a half-tribe. So he is the most unlikely person to go and do this. So he begins to question God. God, am I really hearing you? He has a lot of self-doubt. Anybody can relate. I don't know if I'm really hearing God here. So he asks for all these signs. Pastor Bill mentioned last week about not praying fleece prayers. This is where this comes from. Literally this story. In the New Testament now, we don't pray fleece prayers. We're not asking for God to show us signs to direct us. We live in the new covenant. We have the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that the candle of the Lord is the spirit of the man. For the spirit of the Lord bears witness with our spirit. Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has entered the heart of man the things that God has for those who love him and walk uprightly. But he has revealed those things to us by his spirit, who you have. He takes the things, the spirit does, the things of God, the knowledge of God, and he reveals them to us. So if we're the candle of the Lord, whenever you are praying for leading in your life, there's going to be this little fire, this little flip that's going to go off. It's in your inner man. It's in the real you. Not so much in your intellect, but in your belly, in your inner being, your inner man. It's just like the pilot light on some of those fireplaces. You can just walk up and flip a switch and all of a sudden you got a fire on, which is a bummer. I like putting wood in there and doing the whole deal. But it's the same principle. It's the best analogy that I can give you. That's the covenant we leave in now. That's not my message, but it's a little sidebar for you to take away. So here is Gideon. He's in hiding. And he finally stirs up the courage. He goes out and he recruits an army of 32,000 people. And just like God would do, he dwindles that down to 300 people so they couldn't take credit when they go and beat the Midianites. Not only do they go and beat them, they beat them without using weapons. They use trumpets, pots, and torches. Really weird. Go read it but they still have a victory with 300 men and didn't even use weapons. So here we are now, and we have the beauty of hindsight. We have the beauty of looking at God's word, and we see how God works in someone else's life. We get a picture of the nature and the character of God in the life of Gideon. 
And here's what I want to draw out of that story, and I want to challenge each of us today. Gideon did not know that he had a gift of leadership on the inside of him. He discovered that when God called him and deployed him into an assignment that he had for him. In his deployment, he discovered and he developed a gifting that was hidden inside of him. Are you hiding? What is hiding in you? The real you, the you inside of you, the you that you know is there but no one else can see yet, the you that God has put inside of you, the giftings and the abilities that are in the inside of you, the desires that are in the inside of you that you have laid dormant. They've been there and they've been hidden. God is calling that out of you today. And I want to ask you to spend this week doing one thing. Well, read your Bible, pray. Not one thing. Get over that. But I want you to take a minute and to begin, not a minute, the rest of your life, and to begin envisioning the person that you would like to become if you could become anything you could become. The person inside of you that you really want to be. The person that you really desire to be. Envision that person. We have vision statements for our companies and our businesses. We've got vision statements for our ministries. We've got storyboards for our lives. I want to go to Disney World. I want to go skiing. I want to do all these things. But do we ever take a minute and think, who am I? What's the vision for me, myself? Who's the man I want to be? Who's the woman I want to be? Just like Gideon, I believe that God has created you. He's created me. He's created us for more. And I want to talk this morning from that place of you are created for more. There is more that God wants to pull out of you. And in no way am I talking about you walking into more. Don't be quick just to go to more money, more business, big that and big that. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about you as a person. It might translate into that. I'll paint that picture here in a minute. But I'm talking about the thing that's inside of you. Your God-given identity, giftings, and abilities. You were created for more. You might be thinking, man, I'm, I'm, Jason, I'm 70, buddy. I've kind of already know where I'm at. Well, Abraham was 75, didn't have a kid, and he had Isaac, the promised son, at 100. Now, I, I told Scott and Vanessa in the first service, not suggesting Brad and Charlotte, you're my, that it could happen again. But he is a God of miracles. You ever seen Father the Bride? I think you're young, you're athletic, and it's doable. Charlotte, God's grace and favor is upon you. May his face shine a light. Yeah. Come talk to me in 10 months. Uh, But what I am saying is that no matter what stage of life that we are in, we continue to grow in God. There is more in you that if you are breathing that God wants to use in his kingdom. There is more. If you are young, this is for you. This is for all ages. The first thing I want you to see, very famous passage of scripture, won't spend much time on it, is Ephesians chapter 2. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he, God prepared that we walk in beforehand, that we should walk in them. Okay, the first thing I want you to remember is you are created. You are his. Literally, you're his. The God that created the heavens and the earth. I was in, um, where was I? John, where do you live? Colorado Colorado Springs. Preaching at a church last week or two weeks ago, and my buddy John, who's actually in Tulsa now, over here, we beautiful area. I walk out of my hotel, and there's these mountains, and the Air Force is there, and I'm watching these planes flying, and all of a sudden, like four guys jump out of the plane, and they're parachuting down. I'm like, they are living the best life imaginable. And this is amazing. Like young guys jumping out of airplanes right in front of this beautiful mountain range. That God, you are His. The God that that made this, the seas, the trees, the air that we breathe were his. The God that 
created the reproductive system in our bodies, which is phenomenal. If you've ever had a child and you do the ultrasound, that guy, I mean, it's amazing. The intricacies of our body, it's just amazing. Like my son's going through creation right now at his school. And it's just like, he starts asking these questions or and he talk, we talk about stuff at bed. I'm like, I forgot about creation. I, that's so bad for me to admit, but it's like, it really is amazing. Like this God is the God and we're his. You're his. That, never, that should never get too old for us. But we're also his workmanship. We're his handiwork. He's put things in you. He's put giftings in you. He formed you in your mother's womb beautifully and carefully in the darkness of your mother's womb. That's where he formed us. We are created in his image. You are literally his possession. First Peter chapter 2 calls us, you are a royal priesthood, his own chosen people. You are his possession. He bought you. He owns you. I want to make a human trafficking joke there, but it's really not a joke. It's a huge industry. But he literally purchased us. He, bought, he owns you. The blood of Jesus bought you. His, he, you're his possession. This is the point I want you to get. Therefore, he is the only one that can speak into your life and identify who you are. You can't even do it. You can agree with him. You can agree with his word, but he is the one that owns the copyright to speak into your life and define who you are. People don't get to do that. So we've gone through life now and we go through situations and people know things about us, but they don't know what's in us and they begin to formulate opinions and we all do this to each other. We're well-meaning. Even it can be positive and we begin to call people certain things and we begin to think about people in a certain way and we begin to build these little boxes like a wine press that people live in. And you might have built a wine press for your own life. People sowed a seed in your life. They said something to you. And again, it could be positive or it could be negative. They begin to call you something, labeled you something by what you do. And it becomes a box. It becomes a wine press. And it limits you from walking into everything that God's called you. And maybe you're going through life and you don't fulfill, fully, we're stuck, fully filled. And it's because we're living in this identity that you aren't allowed to define, that other people aren't allowed to define. A lot of times, if you're around the wrong people, they're going to build a box for you because they have an agenda for you. they got a plan for you, or they got insecurities, and you can't go or grow beyond the capacity that they see for you. They are not God. They are outside their legal authority. We have society right now trying to tell people what sex they are. It's not their dadgum authority to tell people what sex they are. It's the creator's authority to tell people what sex they are. So we build these boxes, and we begin to limit, and it steals our life. Literally, that one would steal life. But it begins to steal the life that God created and intended us to live. And there's people that are irritated. I was one of them. Because you know that you were created for more, but you feel limited by your own perspective and your own vision of how you see yourself. Many of you know I lead an organization called World Compassion. It's 50, we're in our 53rd year. We take the gospel. Here's the elevator spiel to nations that are hostile to the message of Jesus Christ. We empower the local churches there. We do a lot of different things. We've got over 5,000 discipleship students in China and Myanmar right now. We plant churches in Cuba and Iraq. We smuggle loads of Bibles into Iran. We're starting a leadership training in Iran right now. Great, grand, and wonderful. But here's, so now I'll be 20 years doing that um, this year. And I became known as the missions guy. And I would get invitations to come and speak at a missions conference or a missions camp or come to a church and talk about missions, and I would turn them down because it irritated the heck out of me that they labeled me as the missions guy. And I didn't know this until literally this summer, 
My father, uh, we transitioned leadership of the organization. He founded it. Probably should clarify that. We're 53. I did not find, start this thing. Uh, and when I was 34. So in 2014, we trans- transitioned leadership. And for a lot of people, and I don't mean to mean this arrogant, but it's really tough to use somebody else's life as an illustration. That can be rude, so I'm having to use my own. We transitioned leadership. And so I'm 34, and I've taken over a, a multi-million dollar nonprofit that gets, you get to travel the world, you get to know ministry. So people who are call, feel called to minister, they're like, oh my gosh, if I could just go and do this. And, and they think that it's something that it's, that it's not. And, or people in Bible school, it's like, man, you've reached the pinnacle of this thing. And I'm 34. And I've, I, up to that point, I've done it for 13 years of my life. And I felt so unfulfilled. And Pastor Bill was critical in, in breaking this loose in my life. I've shared this story before. But I was irritated. I was unsettled. And I began to think, yeah, I guess I'm a missionary. I guess that's the cup that God has for me for the rest of my life. I'm 34, and I'm thinking, I got another 30 years to go hard. This can't be all. I mean, yeah, I want to grow it. I want to increase the impact. But I know there's this stirring. There's something that's uncomfortable. I'm unsatisfied. I'm unfulfilled. And then I thought, man, you're greedy. You're unthankful. You entitlement little punk. Like, I mean, those thoughts, like going through my mind. And it took me years. I, told the first, I did third grade twice. I'm a slow learner. Like, if you're ever trying to get a point across to me, just tell me. <laughs> um, don't, like, you don't have to be nice. Because I'm not usually in those situations. It's just great. Just tell me. Um, and so I'm a slow learner. But I begin to, begin to realize this message. I've created you to do more than that. There's more on the inside of you. There's more of a gifting on the inside of you. You're not just some missionary. You don't just travel the world. You can't just talk about missions. And I begin to realize it wasn't me being arrogant. It was God building a confidence in me for the seed and the giftings that he's put inside of me. And I can't possibly be the only one. And I was 34 and 42. And so I struggled. I was like, well, this message is for GYC. This message is for young adults. But I know too many men that are my age, 40, and we call it the midlife crisis or whatever, that are starting to question their purpose and where we're going and really what we're going to anchor down and what we're going to do. And I just want to encourage some of you that you're created for more this morning, that God has more inside of you, not just to necessarily go and do, but that he wants to develop you as the person, the human being for a purpose. Our job is not to define people's identity. It's to help them to develop it, to discover it, and deploy it. Never to define it. God's the only one that carries the authority to be able to do that. Your identity is in not what you do, but it comes out of who you are. Who you are in Christ Jesus. What you do will flow from that. Otherwise, when what you do ends, you end. And people slip into depression. If, what, if your identity is in what you do and you do ends, then you all of a sudden don't have a purpose. And it's a foothold for the enemy to begin telling you something that's untrue. Because you found your identity and your belonging in something that was never meant to be in. You're far more than that. It's far deeper than that. It's far greater than that. And there's far more lanes for you to go run in in life than what you were doing before. Your giftings are far more vast. How do we know? Man, we are his workmanship, his handiwork. Two categories that I think help us identify our identity. Number one and most commonly preached is our identity in Christ. So we things like we are joint heirs with Christ Jesus. That's true. We're seated in heavenly places. We're righteous. We're in right standing with God. That's our position with him. We're healed of the Lord. We're complete in Christ. I'm more than a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror. We're overcomers. These are things that God calls and says about us that is a part of your makeup. 
a part of your identity that he, the author of you, the creator of you, says about you. So you can either line up and agree with that or good luck. But nobody else gets to define it. The second category is our giftings. And this is where it becomes a little bit more practical. Pastor Bill preached on this just a little over a month ago. I like to say he stole my message, but he didn't. Um, Ephesians chapter 4 talks about the fivefold ministry giftings. Apostles, pastors, prophets, teachers, evangelists. For the equipping of the saints, the work of the ministry. There's far more gifts than that in Scripture. The Romans 12 giftings. The giftings of administration. Of leadership. The Bible says to lead diligently. Giving. Do you guys know that giving is a gift? It's literally a spiritual gift. The gift of generosity. Hospitality. You love hosting and entertaining people. If you're that... Sign up to be a part of the Guts Girls. Volunteer at the Guts Girls event. Speaking. Speak as the oracles of God. Ministering. Minister to one another. Encourage one another. Those are all giftings that begin to build our identity and give us clarity for the direction that God might be leading us in life. And when I mean direction, I mean about as wide as my arms are out right now. It's not like you're questioning if you're going over here or behind me. You know now it's like, hey, this is kind of what I'm good at. It starts giving you some momentum towards life and what you are good at. How do you know your giftings? Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 4, 4 through 9. As each one, did I say 4 through 9? 4, 10, it's only one verse. We're not going through anything. Um, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Short verse, but there's a mouthful in here. One, each one of you have a gift. It's not like you need to sit there and go, man, I don't know if I really got a gift. You know, I just, I'm a, I just, I'm a UPS driver or man, I cut yards. No, you have a gift. That's how God created you. Remember, you don't get a say. He's the one that gets to define you. You have a gift. Each one of us has a gift. Our giftings are identified by God's grace in our life. Again, Pastor Bill mentioned this. You're graced for your gifting. What comes somewhat naturally to you? What brings life, fulfillment, joy to you to go and do? What are you, what are you good at? People might come up to you and say, man, you're good at it. You're, you're graced for that. Ah, start paying attention. Start paying attention. Man, maybe I'm good at that. What, what lanes could I run in in life and I'm good at this? There's probably a lot of them. But there's a grace in what you're gifting. That means you've got his supernatural power and ability flowing through your life to operate in the gifting that he's given you. People get hung up here a little bit because we start liking other people's giftings. It's called envy. And so then you start envisioning yourself and finding your identity and what other people do. And so you start coveting something and you start seeing something. You start walking towards what somebody else is good at. Let me let you know that that roadmap leads to vast disappointment big time. Because you end up picking something up that you were never meant to pick up and carry. God didn't gift you for it. And then you've spent all this time in your life going after what somebody else was doing because you coveted something that they did and that was never meant for you. Because we think, well, that one's more important or that's, so I'm telling you, just because I'm up here communicating, let me just call the spade the spade, doesn't make my gifting or what I'm doing today any more dadgum important than what's in you. And I'm not just saying to blow smoke up, okay? This is how the kingdom of God works. And it's where the church, especially the Western church, needs to flip and get it right. Because it's you guys, we're here to help equip the saints that are gonna go and impact the world. You're really on the front lines, we're behind the scenes. Capiche? If my daughter was here, she taught me what you say back to that. I don't know what it is. And I don't need to know right now. The manifold grace of God, manifold, is the complexity and the diversity of God's grace in all of our lives. We see God's giftings and his, create, his creativeness 
as we look into the giftings of each one of us, we see his manifold grace of God. So when you are interacting with your people, your tribe, you're like, man, they're good at that. I'm not good at that. You don't have to be envious. Let it be a moment where you can glorify God like I did looking at those mountains in Colorado Springs. That, that is a God's gifting. That's his creation. He's put it in there. He's put, he's put this in this person. Man, it should, it should make God real to our lives just in the people that we interact with and we see them operating in their gifting. We are stewards of our gifting by developing and using our giftings for the benefit of others. That is the purpose. It's selfish to think that, man, I want to find my purpose or my calling. It creates a self-centered, self-focused mentality and life becomes focused about us or just me and my kind. That is not how God designed it for the ministry of others. Your gifting is here because people around you right now need what's inside of you. They need the gift that you have. They need what you're graced for. I need what you're graced for. You need what I'm graced for. And it's this inner working and this collaboration, this spirit of unity amongst our giftings that brings growth, numerical growth, and strengthening in the body of Christ. Going back to the story of Gideon, the angel of the Lord, the Lord himself, closes out with Gideon. He says, you will go and you will defeat the Midianites as one man. This is the, 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 the amazing part of God's word. It's living and it's powerful. You can look at it from this lens and then you can come over here and look at it from this way. Yes, Gideon defeated him as one man because God pulled the gifting out of him and deployed him and that gifting sparked a movement amongst men to go set their people free. But all 300 of those men operating together in unity amongst their gifting, they together as one man defeated an army far beyond, far greater than them. In each one of our lives, we've got to be connected to people that have giftings that help us to defeat the things that we come across, uh, across with. That's why you've got to be connected. You've got to be planted in a local church. This church will never work. I'm thankful for the technology we have, but it doesn't work without the connection. You don't get the full benefit. You don't even get what you really need. The enemy can begin to isolate you and pick you apart. You've got to be connected to people. It's Ephesians 4.16, to the home body joined and knit together according to the effective working of every part that each joint supplies growth and edification for the, go look it up, for the edifying of self and love. Those joints are relationships. You got to have the relationships in life. You've got to be connected because there's people around you that are going to help you defeat the enemies in your life and you're going to help them defeat their enemies. It's about being connected together. Here's the trip up. Mark chapter 6, 4 through 6 said, But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. What is a prophet? We covered it earlier. It's one of the gifts, a gift, one of the fivefold ministry gifts. These were people that were familiar with Jesus. Oh, that's just the son of Mary. Oh, he's just a carpenter. He's just tinkering around with some wood again. Man, he bumped into me running through town the other day. He's just a punk kid. They were familiar with him. They couldn't even recognize or receive from the gift that was right in front of them. This is something that each one of us, because we all go to the same church, some of us live in the same families, we work in the same companies, but yet the Bible says that God places us in the body where it pleases him. So you're here on purpose. You're connected. We're connected to one another for a reason. 
What does that mean? Oh, man, we're going to know each other's flaws. We're going to get familiar with each other. And all of a sudden, those things become hurdles that steal the miracle of us allowing to exchange and receive from one another and the giftings that we have to be able to win the battle that God has for us. It's the trap of the enemy. Are you willing to receive from people that you're familiar with? Am I willing to receive from people that you're familiar with? Man, it's in the trenches of relationship, the intimacy of the relationship that we have with one another, the vulnerabilities of relationships. We see people's weaknesses. We see their bad sides and their good sides, but we can't allow those things to stop us from receiving the gift that's on the inside of one another. I truly believe that all of our fulfillment and our purpose in life really boils down to this one thing, and it sounds superficial and spiritual, but I believe this to be true, that our fulfillment in life and our purpose in life comes when who we are and what we do aligns for the benefit of others. I think that summarizes those two passages of scriptures, and here's why. Because the Bible says that that glorifies God. Glory is to leave a favorable impression in the eyes of God. When we do that with one another, it begins to point the world to Jesus. Oh my gosh, look at these people. Look how they interact with one another. Your fulfillment comes when who you are, what you do, aligns for the benefit of others. Just a quick side note. I think you know, a lot of, we're talking about identity and process, or, or purpose. And there's a lot of terminology out there that is confusion. Someone threw this or shared this with me, and I want to share it with you, and I hope it helps. Okay? Our lives, everything we do starts with our identity. That's who we are. Gideon's identity was, you're a mighty man of valor. Paul's Paul's identity was a bondservant of Jesus Christ. That's who we are. That begins to define and help us to discover our calling and to discern our calling. Our our calling is our why. It's the big picture of why us. Why are we here? What has God designed me to do? Well, you can't answer that question unless you know who you are, identity. So it flows into our calling. Gideon's calling was to go save Israel. The Apostle Paul's calling was an apostle. Our calling then, our giftings, we start looking at that and we develop that discernment in our spirit that I talked about earlier of what God leads us to into specific and now it goes to assignments, what you do. And I think we've got a lot of leeway in life in what we do. There's too much in scripture about whatever you do. Go do a whatever study. I did one earlier this year, whatever. I think God leads us into some specific things, but I think there's a lot of lanes that your, your identity, your giftings, your callings, who God's called you to be can operate in. And I think that's the beauty of God's creation and the freedom that he's given us to go and do. I'm not necessarily one of those people where it's like, man, there's this one thing that God's called you to do. Some people find their sweet spot. They do. Some people have multiple sweet spots. I envision it like a five-lane highway or a ten-lane highway or maybe every, everybody's highway is different. And we're on the highway of life. And our calling begins to take us westbound. We know we're going west. And then there's all these lanes, there's assignments throughout life that we can go to. And some people might be in a transition and you've been in your sweet spot, you've been running that left lane really hard for a long time. And it might be time to get over in that middle lane. The beauty about the middle lane is you can help people in the slow lane, you can help people in the fast lane. You've got a lot of wisdom, you've been on the highway for a while. But your identity is not in the fast lane. Your identity is in who you are. So if you're in transition right now, begin to envision the purpose, the person that God has made you to be this week. Begin asking those questions. Who do you want to be? Who do you want to become? All of these things working together help us fulfill our purpose. 
Because if you're operating in your identity, you're operating in your calling, and you're operating in your assignment, and you're using those giftings for the benefit of others, that's what Jesus did. He came and he gave his life for our benefit. We are to be living epistles right of all men. We are to be followers of Jesus. We are here to give our lives to God, number one. Number two, we're here to give our giftings to others. Now we're being formed into the image of God. Romans chapter eight, we were predestined to be conformed in the image of Christ. That's what's happening to you right now. That's the highway of life that we live on. So hopefully that terminology stuff just helps maybe clarify things that you might be spinning in in your own mind. But here's the thing. There's a cost. Whenever we say, who do you want to be? What do you want to become? That person that you envision on the inside of you, the you that only you know that's inside of you and that God knows it's inside of you. The reason why you know is because if he put it there, he's going to speak to you about it. He's going to show it to you. He's not hiding that. He wants it to come out. He's calling it out. It might be you stepping into something. Gideon discovered that gift when he was deployed into something. A lot of times we only teach, and I think this to be very true, most of the time probably, that it's discover, develop, and deploy. But Gideon, he discovered his gift of leadership and organization when he was deployed into something. It began to pull it out of him. My dad taught me, he goes, man, you're gonna get a lot of your knowing and your going. I remember when Beth and I, we met Pastor Bill at his living room years ago when we felt like God was like, man, we're supposed to take, take world compassion on. Like we, we really feel like we're supposed to lead this going forward. And we're like, you know, we gotta go sit with Pastor Bill. Like he's our pastor and we gotta, what you do? Like it's a big, big deal. And so thankfully he made some time out of an afternoon and we go over there as this young couple and we're all pimped up to go sit in his living room and He's going to have a word from the Lord for us. It's going to be profound. And he goes, well, you're going to know 80% more about a cat when you grab it by the tail. So that's what you're about to find out, which I later found out. It's a Mark Twain, Mark Twain quote. And I was like, <laughs> I mean, it was like the, it took all the wind out of our sails, like the, the super hype of it all, you know. And, um, and I'm sure he said a lot of it. It was so many years ago, I can't remember and I'm thankful for his wisdom because, and Mark Twain, I guess, because uh, it's so true. But you're going to discover more of who you are as you step into the things that God has for you. You're going to get your knowing and your going. But there's a cost. In Luke chapter 14, Jesus said, And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 refers to us as his building. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. He's talking about you. He's talking about me. He's talking about us. Are we willing to pay the price to truly be a disciplined follower of Jesus, to discipline ourselves for him to mold and shape us into the person that this week you're going to begin to envision God's called you to be? Are we willing to pay that price? Most, most of us, the answer for serious is no, because we're comfortable. And that's why I'm, I guess I'm communicating this to myself and to us is, there is you're created for more. There's so much more fulfillment. There's so much more joy. There's so much more purpose for you if, you'll just, if we'll just pay the price. God's faithful to complete it. Be confident of this very thing, that he has begun a good work in you, will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. We've heard this verse so many times. Complete means to perform, 
It means this. It's a divine power to pick you up and carry you along to the day of maturity for what he has called you to do. You don't have to go it alone. He's given us the power of the Holy Spirit to come in, to give us the strength, the energy, the ability to step into the things that he's called us to be. And you're going, you're going to get developed, you're going to discover things, you're going to begin to grow, and it is going to lead you to the most fulfilling, the most purpose-filled life, because you, right, are going to begin doing for what you do for the benefit of others. Some of you guys are already doing what God's called you to do, you just need a perspective shift to see, hey, I'm actually helping people. Curtis Selling Insurance actually helps people. It helps people. Begin to attach what you do through the vision of what God puts in your heart. Just see it differently. I think the purpose button in your life might switch over. I think it could be that simple for people. For others, you're off track and God wants to get you on track. This message really is just about us re-upping to God, living a life of surrender for what he's called us to do. That's what I'm asking you today, just re-surrender, recommit your life to God. Who has he envisioned you to be? Let's pray. God, I just thank you for your faithfulness. God, we thank you for your word. God, I thank you for your life-giving word that's a part of molding us and shaping us. God, I pray that the Holy Spirit reflects light into our own lives, into our own hearts, and our own minds of who you've created us to be. God, help people to discover that gifting, to stop questioning it, but to move boldly in it in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you for a new and fresh wind of your spirit in the lives of your people. God, that the eyes of their understanding being open to the hope of the calling that you have for them in Jesus' name. I want everybody to repeat this after me. God, I give you my life again. I surrender to you. God, help me to see the giftings you put on the inside of me. Help me to use my giftings for others. Help me to see giftings in others, to encourage them, to help them to develop it, to help them to discover it, to help them to deploy it in Jesus' name. Jesus, I make you the Lord of my life. From this day forward, I serve you. God, I'm turning my back on my old ways. I'm following you as a disciplined disciple of Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in to Guts Church YouTube channel. I'm Pastor Chano Trevino, the assistant pastor here at Guts Church. And on behalf of our leadership team, our staff, our church, it's our hope that this message met you right where you are. If it did, I bet there's someone you know who could use the encouragement of this message in their life. And you sharing it with them could make all the difference. The mission of Guts Church is to help people win. And you can be a part of that simply by sharing, or better yet, inviting someone to tune into Guts Church online with you every week. Take that next step to be a part of what God is doing right now in this moment in time by being committed to showing up, placing a premium on God's word, and receiving all that God has for you. You can share this message, gather your friends for services, make it a priority to make this the place you want to be. God has so much for you. I truly believe that. We love you. We're praying for you. Can't wait to see you soon. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you'd like more information about the ministries of Gut Church, visit our website at gutchurch.com.